0: Welcome to the CF Stories Podcast, where we take some time each week to get to know different members of Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. Our community is filled with people from different walks of life, from doctors to teachers to business owners, who all have unique experiences to share. This is who we are, and these
1: are our stories. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the CF Stories podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Johnson, and we have a very special episode for you right here. This was recorded on August 29th, 2021, live at our Sunday morning service in Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. So we gathered some individuals from our congregation. We have an accountant. We have those who teach budgeting class. We have a banker. We have a real estate owner. And we gathered them together and we had a bunch of questions regarding budgeting, savings, finance, uh, what, what it takes to make a big purchase and retirements and how to invest our money and make it work for us. This is the expertise and the knowledge that's being shared. It's who they are. It's their stories. Tomorrow matters recorded live at Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth 2021. Listen in.
0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone, today. This is a very special Sunday here in Christ Fellowship. A very special Sunday. Now, we are coming to the very end today of our monthly sermon series, The Promise of Provision. And we have been talking about how God Almighty is a provider. That's number one. He is a provider. Jehovah Jireh, one of his many titles. We know that, and we claim that, and we say amen. Now, the other thing we've been talking about is what does he provide, how does he provide, and what do we do with what has been provided? And that's an important aspect of it as well, because it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to put it into action. And today is a very special Sunday because we are going to have a panel discussion, as you can see behind me, it is set up for a panel discussion, we have four members of our church community here, our congregation, who are going to share their experiences and their expertise about saving, budgeting, retirement, investing. So I advise all of you, if you got something to write with, if you to take out your phone and take notes, you might want to keep up with what's going to be discussed today because it might be some, there's going to be some real gems dropping, I'll tell you that right now. Some real good data, real good advice, information, people, things that people have experienced that they're going to share to you. And you didn't pay for this. It's not like you paid for go to a big conference. they right here in our church community. So take advantage of it. Listen up. Listen in. And speaking of listening, here's a very, very special part of today is that today's conversation is also doubling up as an episode of our podcast series, CF Stories. So let's get into the discussion now. I'm going to introduce or I'm going to call up our panel. They're going to introduce themselves. We have some questions that we're going to ask them, some discussions that we're going to have. Like I said, you might want to take something out to write with if you like to take notes that way or put some notifications on your phone or something like that. But let's just have our panel come out. Panel, if you could just come and join me on stage here, let's give it up for them as they come out here right now. We have Ashley. We have Emmanuel. We have Anthony. And we have King Kirk. Come on out. All right. Welcome, 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 panel. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us here. We have the live studio audience for CF Stories. We're going to go through our discussion. We've been talking back and forth about some topics that we think are the most important. But before we get into the exact topics, let's just introduce ourselves, the expertise you're bringing to this discussion, and your connection, of course, here to Christ Fellowship. So ladies first.
2: I'm Ashley Tirado. And what I'm bringing is 15 years of retail banking experience.
0: And your connection to Christ Fellowship?
2: And my connection to Christ Fellowship is in what sense?
0: Like, uh, what do you do here?
2: Okay, well, I, <laughs> I come here.
3: <laughs> I, okay, I, I,
2: uh, I'm part of the dance ministry, and um, my husband and I have been involved in Connection Productions. He, he is um, the one that runs Connection Productions,
4: um, and so on and so forth. There you go. Sir? Uh, Emmanuel Bloomfield-Jones. I've uh, been at Christ Fellowship for the past two years, a little over uh, two years. Um, I'm bringing just some knowledge about finances and investing and in, uh, real estate and different things of that nature. There we
0: go.
5: Um, so been with Christ Fellowship about, like, two and a half years. Um, my expertise, I'm an accountant. Uh, I did eight years of high net worth individuals, so just kind of like basically their taxes, a lot of their uh, state planning and and more so of a lot of state planning i 'll give you that so
3: i 'm Kirk nelson um, i 've been here for a long time. My wife is Pastor Diana, who you see regularly, and um, we run a, a budgeting debt class. Here, usually in the spring, I do it, Anthony does it with me, and it's going to cover a lot of stuff we're going to talk about here today. So,
0: There you go. So, let's say welcome to the panel. They're going to share their expertise. As you heard from the introductions, they, they know some things. They know some, some. So, let's first talk about, the first subject we're going to talk about is saving. Let's talk about saving real quick. So I'm going to ask a general question, and it might seem uh, silly at first, but if you really think about it, it is something that needs to be discussed. And the first question is, what is the purpose of saving money?
5: Uh, so purpose of saving money. So in essence, savings is always tied to a goal. So some goals can be is a continuous goal, like emergency fund. So that's one goal that you can have You're consistently saving to just in case something happened. Another part of saving is tied to big goals in your life. It could be buying a house, education for your kids, um, or even parts of retirement. But the whole core of saving is being purposeful with your money and putting it away for the future or for a specific goal that you want to accomplish.
0: So so saving money has to be almost like goal-minded, not like hoarding.
5: Yes, yes. The, it, the goal for saving is to use the money for something or to protect you from something. So, keeping money has no value. The goal, money is a tool. So, if you don't use the tool and you don't have a plan of how to use that tool, then the money has no purpose. Mm. All right, we're time to go home. We're done. That's it.
0: Ashley, as a banker, how many, how much uh, money do you think people should comfortably save?
2: I think a lot of it has to do what is um, something that you can do. What's realistic? Um, you know, something I'm sure we're going to touch on is is budgeting. You have to look at your paycheck and make sure that you're being realistic. Um, that you're not that you're not going to set a goal, and obviously, you get discouraged if you can't meet it. So I think it's um, sometimes you can do percentages uh, or you can do just a small increments. You can build on that. Um, it's just sitting down and really looking at what you have and how you can divide that up. And really, um, you know, may, like, like Anthony was saying, having a goal is super important. Um, because personally, I think that actually focuses your mind Um, on on, on a task, on something to do, and you know you're going to get somewhere. And it feels very accomplishing when you finally see that number building and then you get to a good place. Um,
0: Now, now I've heard different amounts of uh, time in terms of saving money, months ahead, emergency fund, like, Anthony, you mentioned before. What would be your best advice to aim for like a certain amount that you would have stored away, maybe it's emergency fund money or something like that. I mean, I've, I've heard you know, four months of salary or something like that. Would you advise that, any of you, or is there something that maybe is a little more nuanced to everyone's situation?
4: i go. Um, so I, I think it's to each his own, right? I think some individuals are going to be able to save a percentage, uh, an amount, um, uh, a portion of their salary I think the really most important thing is just starting, right? Um, even if it's something as small as, like, let's say $20, $25. I remember when I first started saving, um, I had got a Chase account, and they said, hey, we're going to give you a savings account, as, and it will be free as long as you have an automatic payment from your checking to your savings each month of $25. And that's how I really started saving. So I would just say kind of do what's best for you um, and just, just start somewhere. And then over time, that habit um, will just, you know, start to develop, and then you'll be able to start saving more aggressively uh, for some bigger things like larger purchases.
0: It's interesting because I, I know for some people, and, and I've been there too, where you just feel like your money's just in and out, in and out. Anyone, somebody out here, gotta have that experience. You just feel in and out, you know. Especially if you have children, you own a home or whatever. It's just you don't even see it, you don't even feel it. It's just how can I? And and, and the question becomes, how can I possibly save money if it just feel like it's in and out? And then numerically, there's, there's people who don't have savings at all, um, a per- portion of the population. So that starting small, I think, is important. I think that idea of starting small, just a little step, you know, like the, like the old saying is, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. I think that is crucial um, when it comes to saving. Next uh, big question is, um, and this will, will segue into budgeting, is what are the habits that need to be created to save money Aside from, you know, what you just said, and we can kind of piggyback off that, and then we'll go more into specific budgeting plans. So what are, what's just the mental habit that has to happen? So start small. We have that. Is
3: there anything else? Can I, I'm sorry. Let me just jump back to the previous question. Sure. If you, because I'm going to do my shameless plug again. We do jobs for life in the, in the fall, and we do budgeting in the spring. You know, income is important. If you don't have, was the song? If nothing from nothing leaves nothing. If you don't have anything, you can't save anything. And what that, now, if you're employed, then that's different. You can make adjustments in your life, separating your wants and your needs. And I guess that kind of goes into the next question. Mm-hmm. If you have wants and you have needs, you have to take care of the needs. You may not get the want, or you may not get the want that you want, but you have to get to a point where you have something, because no matter what income you have, no matter what your salary is, you have to make choices and sacrifices to get to a place where you have something. You're in the black and not the red. Um, so that's one of the first habits, I guess, or disciplines going mm-hmm. into the budgeting process mm-hmm. is deciphering between a want and a need. You know, that's, that's really critical.
0: Absolutely. Definitely a want and a need. And, and it's funny because, um, you know, for, for many people, uh, transportation is a need. But the desired transportation, like the vehicle itself, could be a want, if that makes sense. You know, where it's, you know, an A to B car doesn't have to be, you know, a Tesla for example. I mean, that's cool and all that, but it doesn't have to be that type of thing. So let's, let's just talk about budgeting then. So you, you two lead the budgeting class. So what is uh, the preferred template or the preferred uh, structure of budgeting? Now, obviously, here in Christ Fellowship, we teach tithing, which is 10%. So we teach that. So using that number, 90% is left. And obviously, there has to be bills and wants and needs and things like that. So what are we doing with the 90% so, so you guys do the budgeting class, <laughs> and uh, just give us uh, some knowledge on that one.
5: So for budgeting, the, the, I'll tell you the structure that I do. I use zero-based budgeting. So what that is is I assign. So I think about it like this. I'm the boss, and every dollar is an employee. So, the beauty I'm sorry, say that again. I'm the boss, and every dollar I have is an employee. One more time. <laughs> I'm the boss. And every dollar I have is an employee. I just think some, some, someone out here needs to hear that. <laughs> Somebody needs to hear that. I'm the so, boss. Every dollar is an employee. Someone so, has to hear that. So, now. And the beauty about like money is it'll do exactly what, it te- what you tell it to do. So mm. so literally, and it, it doesn't ask for a break. It just keeps working. The way you want it to work, that's exactly how it'll work. So zero-based budgeting is when whatever money comes in, you're going to assign every single dollar down all the way to zero. And what's important is, like, say, for example, if you get paid on the 15th, you are saying, okay, if I get paid $2,000, you're going to assign every single dollar down to zero. And that could be savings, tithing. It could be for paying for Christmas cards, putting away for um, Christmas gifts. But what your goal is, is you're going to give every dollar some assignment. And the beauty of it is you're going to see exactly, you have a plan for when the money comes, you just execute. And then another key thing that I do is because I know my habits. So the only reason I can say this is because I've failed forward many times. Um, So when the money comes, I do everything on the same day. So if the bill's on the 24th, I pay it right on the 15th, and everything's done on the specific day. I don't give myself room for the money to go anywhere else. I saw the, so if the plan was done three days beforehand, on the 15th I get paid, the plan get executed, and then for the next 15 days I just go live my life. So I don't have the peace Now, like I said, it's easier said than done, but the goal is, is to build that practice. Because like I said, it, you should be flexible with your budget too, so it's not like, don't be so stringent because at the same time, like life, you must be fluid and flexible, so same thing with your budget. But the whole goal is to be mindful where every dollar is going.
0: Now, would you like to add on, Emmanuel or uh, Ashley? There's a lot of head nodding, so I, I <laughs>
4: there's a head nod, amen. Yeah, so I add on. Uh, so something that has worked for me is just having separate accounts. Um, so mm. I'm big with separate accounts. Like I have a, a savings account. I have an account for just my investment property. I have another one that's um, a checking account. So like, let's say like blow money. Or money for like things you might spend on a regular basis, so like gas, Easy Pass, um, Tides, different things of that nature. And then I have an account that's not even in Jersey, so I don't get kind of like that urge to take any money out. Um, where I kind of have my direct deposits go there, and then I have all of my um, bills paid out of that account. That's on automation. Um, So my money's going straight there, and then what needs to be allocated and what needs to go out is coming straight from that account, and I never touch it because I can't touch it even if I want to because, you know, Mm. it's it's just that inconvenience that I put in front of me. So I would say just that, you know, automation and just having separate accounts kind of works for me.
0: Now, Ashley, we spoke um, earlier this week just in prep for this discussion, and you were telling us how, as a banker, you've seen some bad budgeting um, what have you seen, and, and uh, what do you think uh, is the proper mindset that would correct some bad budgeting?
2: So I see a lot of the times uh, what happens is that people um, are not allocating money, and they have one account. And so it still goes along with what Emmanuel was saying. It is good to have uh, separate accounts. I and mean, that's how I like to operate myself as well. Because what happens is that people, especially if you're not budgeting, you're just sending money out. You're sending money out. Weekend comes around. banks. work on business days. Um, You spend, spend, spend on the weekend not realizing that the numbers that you see sometimes don't properly reflect what you have in your account. Monday comes around, all that comes out, you're in the negative, and now you're paying a charge for each and every one of those transactions. I know that happens. I see it a lot. Um, That's why I always recommend, like, if you can, have separate accounts. It's always good to have that account where you get your, your your direct deposit or where you put your check in, and then you allocate it where you need to go. You budget, send out what you need for savings, send out what you need for tithing, and the good thing is if you have a second checking account, I like, this is my opinion, I like to use that second checking account, kind of like what Manuel is saying, is to send out my money. So that I know that that account is not to play with. That account is where I have budgeted, where all my bills are gonna come out of that account so that I'm not playing the waiting game. So that in case I use my money, it's not, I, oh, I, I already used that money that was supposed to go out for that bill because I forgot about it, which is normal. Uh, but it's why I think it's really important that you would, you know, have a second account so that you are mindful of that, that that money is not yours. And that at the end of the day, you have one checking account where you can use it at your leisure. Um, and also something that I always recommend for customers that I feel like, you've, you know, if you don't do online banking, I understand there are a lot of folks that don't trust it, um, they don't like it, they feel like it, it's too confusing, but I promise you, if you have a good, you know, if you go to a branch that you, you your, your banker is more than willing to sit with you and, and walk you through it, I know I am. And to show you how to use your online banking because that is such a wonderful tool that we have now. Why? One, you can set up alerts. Um, that is something that has saved me plenty of times. I'm not perfect where I've set up a bill and I totally forgot it and it took too long to come out because sometimes bill pay does that. What happens is you paid other bills and so it, you just make a mistake. And because I had an alert, it notified me as soon as I went negative. And that way, because I have a backup savings or a backup checking, I was able to transfer my money over into the checking and completely avoid a fee. Because $35 or $30, depending whatever your bank is, that's a lot of money. And for me, that... That's a, that's a big deal. So I think for you, it, it probably is as well. So I think that setting up alerts really saves you because you have to the end of the business day to cover your negative balance and avoid a fee. Most banks work that way. And then on top of it, you can also have um, auto-draft. You can talk to your banker about setting up and a linked accounts. Again, a wonderful idea is to have that savings as an emergency, and in case you do overdraft, they can pull from your savings into your checking, and most of the time there is a fee, but it's not $30, it's not $35. There's also, um, again, alerts, uh, drafting, and for some people they like to do a a line of credit, an overdraft line of credit. Now, Now we're getting into credit, that's a little bit different, but that is something if you find yourself constantly getting negative, most of the time, these kind of lines of credit, the interest is a lot lower, again, than 35, 35, 35,
0: 35. So. Kirk, what would you say to someone uh, who struggles with budgeting because they don't want to feel, maybe or they feel like either they don't have the discipline or um, they don't want to be restricted? I've heard people say that before in terms of different styles of budgeting. What would you say to that person?
3: I mean, generally none of us are that disciplined. That's why we do things like set up accounts where you can't touch it. Um, or you use a system that works for you, you know, you can use an envelope system, you can, whatever your system is, but the the purpose of, of any of this is to avoid trouble, and you will eventually avoid, you run into trouble if you don't follow it, uh, but the biggest thing, I guess the spiritual component of it is uh, you're God's steward over whatever he gives you. And none of what you have really is yours anyway. He owns it all. He provides it all. The job that you have, God gives to you. The income that you get, he provides for you. The moment you you know, you know think you do it on your own, is foolish. You don't have it. And I've been on both sides. I've been there with no income. I've been there with plenty of income. God provides it all. And that's the key. And when you think of that, as you spend money, as you make financial choices, then you realize every dollar I spend makes an impact on the kingdom of God.
0: It's true. And, and it's interesting you say that because stewardship is important. And I know that sounds like a big you know, church word, but in truth, it is a responsibility that everyone has regardless of the number, regardless, regardless of the number that someone has Stewardship is important, and God has provided, and also, let's not fool ourselves, everyone, God is testing and judging us on how we leverage what we've been given, of what he's provided with. I know I said this before in a teaching, but God's provision is not to do as we will, but as he wills, and that mindset is important because the idea of ownership, I mean, that's a huge concept, but at the same time, it's an ownership that's given with a responsibility you know, from the Lord to us, and there's, uh, you know, God's watching, you know, so we can say it like that. Go ahead, Anthony.
5: And just to add to Kirk saying is, <clears throat> like, before I came to Christ Fellowship, the way I used the budget was, have had my money come in, I was saying the Spanish service, same thing, um, I had my money come in, I look at all my bills first, and then whatever remaining, that's what I will put away for savings or anything, and then as I've been part of Christ Fellowship, what I realized was, I started to receive more when I put it in this order. I, my money came in, God got his 10%, then I paid myself, then all the other bills get paid last. And that structure for me decided, I realized more came into my life when I always put in that structure. So like, if you're gonna do budgeting, at a minimum, the first two things, number one, God gets paid. And the thing is, I know 10%, is, is the goal for a lot of people. And that's the goal, try to get there. But put something, you have to write a number down, especially if you're going to put it, it could be $25, $50, but the goal is, as that number grows, you're going to see all your other numbers grow. Mm.
0: Mm. So, say and, that, that, and that. that
5: to me was, then I started seeing myself save more, and then I started realizing my bills started to reduce. So that structure for budgeting helps you, will, will tremendously change your life.
0: So speaking of budgeting, and we talked about saving money before, and we kind of mentioned making big purchases, all right? So think about you know, a car, uh, obviously where you're going to live, uh, parents, you want to think about whatever your after high school plans are, make sure you pray about that one. Um, what do you need to be thinking, to be, to be praying about when it comes to making a big purchase? And you can kind of categorize that as you will but any big purchase that you know that this is a significant amount of money that is needed for this, but what should be the mindset using wisdom to make that big purchase? And if you have a personal story about big purchases, feel free to share it.
3: Uh, just real quick, like you just said, anything that you purchase that's big, you really need to determine whether it is a true want or a true need, um, because we can trick ourselves or talk ourselves mm. into saying it's a need, but in reality, it may still be just a want. Going back to your example, I need transportation. I can buy whatever, or I can take a bus pass, or I can get public transportation. Whatever it is, you need to put all that, that those decisions in the lens of what God wants you to do with that money. Mm. So it's not just making a big purchase. It's what are the implications of the big purchase? And something we had talked about earlier is, you know, counting the cost that goes along with it, the associated mm. cost. So let's say I buy a Lexus. I Ooh. want my transportation. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's all right. You're coming up in the world. I I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm trying to be like, you know. So you get you get your Lexus, but you have to put premium gas in. Mm. Mm. So it's not $3, it's 355 or 395 mm. Now you need insurance. So on a Lexus, your insurance may be $500 a month as opposed to $200 a month. Mm. If the car breaks down, if you need brakes, if you need this, if you need that, now there's a, there's a different cost for driving a Lexus than driving a Volkswagen, well, maybe not a Volkswagen, maybe a Chevy, because uh, they kind of up there too. But there's a different price. So sometimes just because you can afford something doesn't mean you can afford it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you have to keep in mind is there's a cost and there's an associated cost mm. with every big purchase. You were talking about earlier, purchasing a home. You have to pay for that. You have to keep your you have to maintain your property, you have to paint, you have to cut grass, you have to do this, you have to repairs in the house. You know how we know, you know, there's costs that go with Owning it, and sometimes you can't afford to afford something. Mm. So those are all Mm. things in the purchasing process. Uh, There's a spiritual component, and then there's a a real earth component that Mm. says, "Can I afford something?" So those are all things that you have to take in mind when you're making a big purchase.
0: It's true, and it's it's the cost and the cost, as you said before. I mean, we've had you know tremendous. Hot days uh, recently, and I was out there mowing that lawn and painting that deck. And man, let me tell you, I had to take a break every like five minutes. One day it was like hundred degrees. But when I look at the cost it took me to purchase materials versus if I hired someone to do it for me, yeah, I gotta, 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 gotta. Mm-hmm. gotta get that get that in personally but uh that you know that's just me but going to what you said you can, YouTube everything, Was that you you can youtube
3: everything now is that what you can youtube everything you know i did you
0: know i did that's right gotta have you know, proper techniques of things you know smarter not harder you know what i mean um and when it comes to purchases too one of the big components that comes with purchases or making big purchases is credit all right let's talk about credit okay now here here, here it comes all right, some people just got real shook right now, real nervous about credit some people, oh, credit and some of you are thinking, uh, let me all right, now I'm gonna start writing stuff down um so who has uh I forget who it was we were talking had a credit story of a credit recovery story, let's say I think it was you, oh, yeah. Anthony yeah. yeah, so if you share that story, uh go for it so
5: like like any other college student, I got sold on credit cards with just like a nice bag and just free good stuff, so and they gave me a five hundred dollar credit limit just like that, so and, and to my eyes, if you're a college student, $500 credit limit, you think you could go buy the world? Like it's like, okay, I go spend it on this, that, so. But one thing you learn um, over time, they only sell you on just making the minimum payment. Making the minimum payment because the whole goal is they make money off the interest. So over time, you start to um, make minimum payments, but you realize that, like, um, actually, I gain more credit cards. Because they, they'll, as you'll see in the mail, they'll push a lot of credit cards to you. And so I would sign up for another credit card thinking I can just, you know what, make the minimum payment for this, make the minimum payment for that. All I know, I'm in credit card debt. And then I realized, then I realized you know what, I can miss a payment here. It won't struggle with really me there. So, and then that deteriorates your credit. To be honest, the biggest thing with credit cards is you have to make a payment. That's, that is the key thing. Missing payments will, like, really destroy your credit. And um, so, and another thing too, I was maxing out the cards. So I realized I get to a point that um, I need to, okay, need to pay off these credit cards. I was like, I looked down, I actually sat down, looked at all my credit cards, write it down. I have to pay these all off. So that's how I do my own research and understand the purpose of credit. And the, the one thing I learned is that there's like few key things when you want to like get out of credit card that number one is, like you said, you have to set up a goal to pay way more than the minimum. So, and, it's, and the goal is you can pay the minimum, if you have like five credit cards, your goal is to pay, most, pay the minimum on four, and then whatever remaining you have, load up on one. And then as you pay that one off, you're gonna have the minimum plus whatever you load and then roll it to the next one. And the whole goal is you're trying to create a history of paying more than one payment on one credit card, and then over time, you have a history paying your credit cards down with um, rolling over payments because they look at your utilization. So, um, to, to to for some reason, the key thing in your total credit history, if you say you have a ten thousand dollar limit, yours credit will skyrocket if you know how to manage it, just to go to about twenty, like like basically twenty percent, so two thousand dollars. If you're consistently like using within a $2,000 frame on a $10,000 limit, your credit card skyrockets. And then if you basically pay that two, you could, you could do, two, do two things. Pay the full $2,000 off, or what makes it really jump, pay 1,000 in one month and then pay the next 1,000. Even though you small give a small interest accrued, they like to see just they're making something a little bit. But I don't recommend it, like really truly do pay it, but if you really want to see your credit jump that's what when my credit started to skyrocket, and then from there, um more credit opportunities came towards me. but then, what I realized was credit was just a tool like it's really just a tool to use for your large purchases after you receive your large purchases. there's really no really need to be using your credit cards unless like you're wise with it like if you're using it for um I use it for vacation so all my bills that I can't pay on a credit card that I know I'm going to pay on the end of the month, I just basically put on the credit card because they give me vacation points. So then at the end of the year, I basically have a free vacation for the bills that I know I have to pay. So that's like wise ways to use your credit cards.
0: I mean, truth be told, there's a lot of people who struggle with credit. A lot of people have been, been hurt by the credit. Um, hurt themselves by credit. Um, you know, I know there's people out here, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure there's someone here who's saying, oh man, that was me too. That's me right now. Um, but the thing is, as you said before, um, credit doesn't have to be a scary thing. It doesn't have to be, especially with big purchases. Now Emmanuel, when we spoke um, earlier this week, you, you mentioned about how you know, using credit for big purchases to incur more wealth when it comes to owning property could you comment on that and just the strategies of that
4: yeah definitely and before that i just wanted to touch on anthony so i actually had the same exact story um where in college i got one in a bag um and i got a 500 dollar limit and so you got a five, bag but not the bag exactly and the bag only lasted like a week <laughs> and so same well, it was thing a nice I, bag yes
3: can you tell them how they do it at college yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so and I yeah. actually understand. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So I actually worked um out of college for the past six years. Um, but when I first went to college, you know, um they usually have people who are just waiting there, you know, encouraging you to get a credit card. They're not educating you on it, but they're giving you incentives. And as like a seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old, you know, child still at that time um at that point. You want that incentive, right, which is at that time with a bag as well, with an NFL bag, never forget it, love the bag, last a week, but I wound up getting a $500 uh, credit card, one on Jordans for me and my sister, sisters, and then realized that $500 ballooned to a $2,500 debt. Um, so it's, it's really critical to, you know, just educate yourself, educate your children so that when they are encountered with individuals, you know, Any type of incentives they know to be mindful of it and to kind of shy away from it or uh, to get it and to do things that are going to be beneficial. So, some of the tricks um, I have uh, used for just building up credit is something as simple as uh, it could be $10, $20 a month. So, I have uh, credit cards that pay off like Netflix, which is like $15, um, like Disney Plus, uh, like six flags greater wrenches, membership which is like 11 dollars, so we would pay that on a monthly basis so you're constantly using a credit card but then you set up your bank account to make that full payment each and every month so something as little as 10 bucks um can actually help your credit score jump because it's showing that you're disciplined it's showing that you're making regular payments and it's showing that you're paying your credit card off in full so that's just like a little quick strategy I wanted to use. And to kind of go back to what you were saying, Elliot, in regards to home ownership, uh, credit's everything when it comes to purchasing a home, right? Because that's going to make or break um, or just determine if you're able to get a house. So on average, you need about a 620 credit score or above. And 620 is really pushing it. You're going to get a horrible interest rate. So just to give you an example, someone with a 620 credit score and then let's say it's another person with an 800 credit score, that person with the 800 credit score is probably gonna get an interest rate of like 2.5% or like 3%, where the other person will get like 4%. So I know you're probably like percentages, what's the difference, right? It's hard to kind of grasp um, at first, but that could be the difference of tens of thousands of dollars over the course of a loan. Um, So just be mindful of that. Try to do everything possible to educate yourself um, to tap into different resources, to, um, you know, find mentors or just ask questions, right? Ask, you know, any individual up here, you know, after service or just throughout the weeks, you know, hey, for different strategies so that you could get your credit score to where it needs to be at so that you could save just tens of thousands of uh, dollars over the course of, you know, a loan.
0: For sure. And, and now with that, using credit to make purchases, now, in your case, you're, you're leveraging owner, home ownership for wealth. So if we could transition into things like investing or investment properties, because this is something that, honestly, um, just looking at I just pulled some data from, uh, from Gallup poll. And it said percentage of America that owns stock. And this is how they define it. It says, do you personally or jointly with a spouse have any money invested in the stock market right now, either in an individual stock? A stock neutral fund or in a self directed 401k or IRA. And out of this poll, based on annual averages, about 56% of Americans answered yes to that question. So it's really, it's like a, almost like a half and half here. Now, this is specifically about owning stock, but obviously, there's other ways that, can be invest, uh, that investments can be. So, for example, owning multiple properties. So, if someone wants to get started in that, they're looking to the future. What is your advice to them, and how can they begin with that?
4: Yeah. So, sure. All right. So, um, in regards to investing in properties, first, you definitely want to find what works for you, right? So, there's a lot of different investments. Um, there's stocks. There's um, uh, businesses, right? There's different things of that nature, right? I tried stocks. Just couldn't grasp it. Wasn't for me. What was for me was properties, right? It's something that I, I get. I understand. I know how to do the numbers, um, you know, it's something that's tangible where I could go and physically see the property. Um, but in regards to that, we're just really finding uh, a market um, that you can afford, right? And I think oftentimes when it comes to investing in property, especially in this market, people hear about these crazy numbers like houses are going, you know, 50000 above asking price, uh, houses are like 300000 400000 that's not always the case. Uh, when I bought my first investment property, and I'm gonna use road numbers because I think it's more impactful. Um, you know, I asked questions and I spoke with a gentleman who I knew who had an investment property in Pennsylvania in Allentown. Um, and he kind of, you know, broke certain things down to me and that's what I was able to do. That was a market I was able to afford. I found my first house um, investment property which was only for $45,000. Um, I know people who drive cars that cost more than $45,000. Um, just to kind of break it down into even smaller numbers, my mortgage there is only $448, right? So, yes, so, right, and and you're probably thinking about, hey, I have bills in my house that is more than 400-something dollars. So I was able to actually get a house and pay that amount on a monthly basis, right? And then rent it out for $1,300. So now you think about that gap between the mortgage and the gap between when I'm renting it out. It's basically just a surplus that goes into, like, my pocket. And that allows you to just build wealth. It allows you to leave a legacy. It allows you to start saving, right? It allows you to have passive income. And that's what it's about, is having your money work for you. So even if you might not be able to find a home here in Jersey or a home in New York City, right, um, because those markets are higher, find a place that you can't afford and don't be afraid to kind of branch out.
1: I got a snap on that one. <laughs>
5: So, just to add to what mane was saying, I like basically covered a lot um <laughs> i'm I'm on like other spectrum. I like to invest in stocks, so like that's kind of like my passion so and the reason why is um like I was telling um earlier, investing in stocks is kind of putting your money into assets or companies that are tied to the fabric of america or the or or the fabric of the economy so the way I see it is um I would like my money to work in places in which everyone else, like their money to be tied for the economy. So meaning like if the economy goes down, regardless whether, um, like as we all experienced with, with, um, with Corona, like literally it, it, it took a big hit on the economy. So, and a lot of people lost jobs, a lot of people, as you can see, um, a lot of people suffered at that time. Another portion of that other end, a lot of people don't talk about that. There was a lot of wealth built during that time, and the reason being was people decided that the assets of what tied to the tied to the economy. They decided to double down, and they basically and as you'll see that they um, put their money into different companies. It's like they got companies on this. I'll give you a perfect example, like Apple. Everybody knows Apple. We all have phones for it, um, and Apple is probably one of the biggest companies in America. And if anything ever happens to Apple, basically something's happening to America. Just put it, just put it that way. So when, when the coronavirus occurred, Apple dropped down to like almost 50%. So a lot of people basically that had a little bit of wealth or a little bit of money, like I said, that, that have a tool, they decided to just buy it at a 50% discount. Now, if you were to look at it till today, Apple is over up 150%. So, the reason why investing is so important is, like you said, money is the tool, and investing allows you to put into assets that build value over time. So, and the, and the beauty about it now, too, is it's so, investing is so accessible to everyone that literally, if you can open up an Instagram account, you can open up an investment account. Like, that's how simple it is. They let you invest on your mobile apps. There's so many access to, to just investing. And, and the reason why investing is very, I don't say, say it's important, but the key thing about investing is that you need time and consistency. So um, it's not that you have to put a lot away. That's, that's the biggest misconception about investing. You don't need a lot in order to start. You can literally open an account with $50, but the, question, but the goal is $50 tied into the right companies over time, consistency, will build and then eventually you'll see that the, the ninth one of the world compound interest will build over time and your money will work harder than you can put into it mm. and that's the whole goal is that eventually that what, you're just feeding it but the amount that is compounding is making more than what you're putting into it and and that is where you see just wealth built over time and and the reason why i say time is so important is because um, like say, like I have, I have a newborn now, so so Dang. I'm gonna use all of his time on his earth to save for him for the time that he gets to a specific age that he gets a head start. So I don't need to wait till 18 to start saving. By the time he's 18, he'll have someone of an inheritance, and then I like I already have like a, a goal in my head that by the time he's 18, I want to make a deal with him that if he doesn't touch it. So he's 30 i'll match whatever he puts in and, the, and but the reason why i say that is because i know what 30 years if you and you can go online and there's so many calculators mm-hmm. i know what 30 years of not touching money over a consistent basis getting a very small percentage return like eight percent something small that gets you to a million dollars so by the time he's 30 if he have a small inheritance he has choices. And that's the whole point about money is to have choices. And he can decide whether he wants to work, start a business. But he has something that he can build. So that's a goal of mine. And, and the only reason why I see that is because he has the time. And I'm, and I'm going to use his time useful.
0: See, I think, that, I think everything you said is crucial because, again, the title of today is Tomorrow Matters. Can I, can I just add one more oh, thing go for before yeah, yeah. you?
3: The other thing is this you know, one of the things that helped me, I was, like I said, I was down, I was out of a a job for about four years. One of the things that helped me was, when I was working, take advantage to every employer benefit that they give you. So, if they match your salary with an investment instrument, Mm -hmm. take advantage of it and max it out. If they say, we'll match it with X amount of dollars, then you put in that X amount of dollars and make sure that you match it yes, yes. because you never know what's going to go down the line. Mm-hmm. And so many people don't take advantage. They put a little bit in. Max it out. Make the sacrifice and figure out how to max that out because it's, it's free money. They're giving you money. They're matching your money. Make sure you do that. And, and just to add to Kirk, there's actually an order in that process.
5: So the first way you'll do is um, you'll invest up to the match of what the company gives you and the reason why I say uh, up to what the company, say if the company gave you 6%, match up to 6%. Then, if you can, just open up a Roth IRA. And what a Roth IRA, not to go like, in too much detail, is any money that you put into it, if it grows over time, it grows tax-free. So, so then you max out your Roth IRA. And then if you have more left, then you go back to your company, and then you max out. Whatever the um the match is for the for the year, so most companies um, I mean most uh they let you I think it raises like nineteen thousand, so you can put away nineteen thousand of your own money, deferred, tax deferred, and and the reason why you do it in that order, um, is because you're maximizing your tax implications by the time you you, you retire. So if you can so say if you have like $10,000 to save, you make sure you make sure you cover up to the match and then if the match is up uh, $4,000, you take the other 6, you put it into a Roth IRA. Because that 6,000, if that 6,000 grows to 100,000, that full 100 is tax-free when you take it out at retirement.
0: And we're talking about like I said before, tomorrow matters. And for those of us especially who are parents, your tomorrow is not a what, it's a who. You think about it like that, and that's going to really open your eyes to a lot of things too, because you have, especially having a young child, and all of us, all of us here on this stage right now are parents, so you know, this is experiential for us, but really, you know, what are, are, what are we passing down to our children? What are they inheriting? And if we take the word of God seriously, as we, as we saw in that proverb, a good man Someone righteous before God is leaving that inheritance to their children. Like I said earlier, you, you can't take it with you, but you can't pass it down to the point where this, this is a, a long game. This is a long game. It's not just living for today and just, you know, doing whatever you want to do. And in fact, I just pulled some other data, too. Um, by of the 2019 uh, Federal Reserve data uh, talking about retirement before uh, ages 18 to 29, only about um, a third of people have a retirement socked away in some way, shape, or form. Um, So if you're young, um, it it seems far away, but really it's a long game and it takes long-term planning to do it. Um, I've been told numerous times by financial advisors, like, you know, don't start when you're 50 because I've seen plenty of people who have done that and now they're, you know, trying to get on the back end of their career into retirement and they look at the numbers and they say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, like there's nothing here. And, you know, I've heard that as well. as we conclude, if you could just say, and, and everything we've talked about, if there's just one gem that you could just say to someone who just wants to know more about how they can have tomorrow matters and how they can you know, set up for the future, whether they have children or not, if you could just say just one concise, clear statement to them, what would it be? And we'll just, whoever wants to start, go, go ahead and start.
5: Uh, basically,
0: the microphone.
5: basically, your decisions you make today will affect tomorrow. So you have to be purposeful today and be thoughtful today because that was lead in tomorrow. So, so take your time. And, uh, and the one thing I've learned, um, even though like, I'm still young, is that if you don't take the time, life will make that decision for you. So that's, that's the best thing. It's, it's, it's not hard. It's just being purposeful.
0: Ashley, what would you say? What's the, the, the last gem?
2: It's prioritize. Um, at the end of the day, uh, like we are saying, it's all about really your tomorrow, and we don't know about that tomorrow. So what you can do is work on what you have today. And, you know, most, we're, we're working in class. We get our paychecks. Be smart. Be realistic. Um, Yes, we want to have fun. Yes, we sometimes. I, I can speak for myself. I want to dress nice. I want to look nice, but am I going to let that be? I'm going to. Am I going to sacrifice my future, the desire to you know have a home, or the desire to my kids have choices, just because I want to look nice today? So it's all about prioritizing.
4: Emmanuel, I would say uh, learn from other people's mistakes. Um, right. So just tap into people within your network, ask questions, do your research, do your homework, um, and really just truly learn from um, other people's, you know, failing forwards. Kurt?
3: Uh, Just be a good steward. You know, God gave you resources. Use them so that when you meet him, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to get to stand in front of God and say, you wasted your talents, you wasted your treasures, you know get away from me because you have it. It's in your hands. They're tools. Take the emotion out of it and use it for the tool that it's worth.
0: Amen. And, then, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was just thinking about that passage too. Uh, good and faithful servant, I could trust you with a little. Now I will entrust you with much more. Come share in the master's happiness, meaning God. Kirk, if you could just pray for all of us as we just conclude our time here. And if we all just, just pray, I know that everyone's in different financial uh, levels and areas, but we are, are here for you. Everyone on this panel right now is available to share their wisdom and more details. If you want more of the X's and O's of, of everything, you know, feel free to ask. We're here, and Kirk, if you could just pray for everyone as we conclude our time today. Thank
3: you, Lord, because you are the author and finisher of all our faiths, Lord God. You know each one of our stories individually And personally, Lord God, you know the beginning, you know the end, Lord God, you know where we've been, you know where we're going, you know the struggles, Lord God, you know where we need help and discipline, you know where we need help in putting priorities in order, Lord God. I pray right now as we open our hearts and minds to you, Holy Spirit, meet us where we are right now. Meet us where we are right now guide us, direct us, allow our minds and hearts to be aligned to the things that are important to you. We thank you, my God, because you are in charge of all things. And we thank you, my God, that there's nothing that happens in our lives that you don't know about. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So we turn these things over to you. And we thank you for this time, and we thank you to honor you with our stewardship in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen, everyone. Let's give it up for our panel. Let's thank God for them. Sign up for the CF Stories podcast. Wherever you get your podcast. subscribe to it. And remember, tomorrow matters. God bless you all. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 1030 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. You can also join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's story. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.